Across the street from the Texas State Capitol in Austin, this is the Trey Blocker Show. Starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker. With today's special guests, the owner of Live Oak Brewing Company, Chip McElroy. And the co-founder of Austin Beer Works, Michael Graham. And here's Trey Blocker. Hello everyone and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. Charlie, for the first time ever, I'm going to start the show with a disclaimer. Oh, all right. How about that? You're going to talk fast? I should, in, in legalese, too. Uh, I, I want to clearly state at the outside, outset of this episode that the views expressed by Trey Blocker on the Trey Blocker Show are the views of Trey Blocker, not the views of any of his clients, employees, or anyone else who should be held harmless. All right. Good enough? Sounds like I gotta, <laughs> gotta go back and listen to the other episodes. Gotta have the now. <laughs> Welcome, Chip. Welcome, Michael. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Chip, um, you and I have known each other for a long time, and I've enjoyed your beer for a long time. Uh, tell us when you started Live Oak Brewing Company. We uh, got going in 1997, and about 10 years after that, I believe we met in 07, didn't we? I think that's right. <clears throat> Uh, we we started then on a, 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 what had been a former meatpacking plant or a sausage factory. Mighty fine facility. Yes. <laughs> and you remember it, I know. Made the beer taste better. Um, <laughs> that was over on East 5th Street. Pretty small, pretty cramped quarters. And uh, we were there for 18 and a half years. And we just recently finished building and moving into the the new digs over uh, behind fast park across the freeway from the um, the airport we're making the same kinds of beers that we've always made um, we tend to make german and czech style beers maybe polish beers central european style right. beers we so you, go, s- you started out with the czech pills that was our mm-hmm. first beer the pills is our first beer and then uh, uh our second beer was the hefeweizen and that back in the day we could hardly give it away and now we can't <laughs> make enough uh, that's a good problem to have yeah and, and most people who know chip mcelroy uh don't know that you are doctor Chip McElroy. Explain that to the audience. Uh, Yes, I got my PhD in biochemistry at the University of Texas. Very good. And I got my uh, undergraduate degree there, too. I'm sort of inbred. (laughs) (laughs) Do you study any beer at the University of Texas as well? That's that's always the second major of a graduate student. Uh, Of every good student. Yeah. And in fact, that's when I started homebrewing was uh, during graduate school. And and uh, we really, we got into some, you know, we used to have parties where we had, uh, we asked everyone to bring a six pack of import or domestic micro brew as hmm. it was referred okay. to back in that time. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so also great. in the studio is Michael Graham, who's co-founder of Austin Beer Works. Michael, tell us how Austin Beer Works got started. Sure. So we just celebrated our sixth anniversary last weekend, actually. So we're, we're, what's funny, I feel like we're new still, but when we opened up, I think there were 37 breweries in Texas and now there's over 200. So we're, yeah, I mean, new is relative in the beer world these days. Um, So yeah, no, nowhere near as, uh, have been around long as Chip, but, uh, but yeah, so six years now. Um, I grew up in Austin and graduated from Westlake. And from there I went to uh, University of Colorado in Boulder and that's where I 
really got into beer. Um, never, I was never a fan in high school, I think just because it was always Lone Star or whatever else. And not to knock those too much, but uh, I just, just never, never my beverage of choice. But when I went to Colorado and they were way ahead of us, uh, or they were at the time, I guess they still are, a number of breweries and just the beer culture in general and regulations, which made it possible. Um, I just got exposed to all these new types of beer that I didn't know beer could taste like that. Um, I thought it was all just yellow and light and, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, I got into beer there. Uh, I was a geology major and that's what actually got me into beer. Oddly enough that we take a lot of, uh, field courses, field trips through, you know, through the Rockies and through the mountains is a great place to study geology. Um, but the professors would always bring a keg of beer or a few cases in a cooler. And so after the day out in the field, we'd, you know, there's usually, we'd stay at campsites and just sit around the campfire and drink beer and talk about the day and and I mean, I, I don't know how you could not love fall in love with with whatever with geology or beer after doing stuff like that. So, That's right. uh, so I really fell, fell in love with beer and just the just the process of sitting around drinking it with people and um, and drinking good beer, which that, is great. That yeah. is a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. Well, both of you are are very good examples of the American dream, right? I mean, you had an idea, uh, you you scrounged together some pennies and and you started uh, building your dream, and now both of you own very significant craft breweries in the state of texas and and it's a booming industry it's booming in texas uh how many are in texas now i think 260 something maybe 266 yeah somewhere I, in there. I think there's like two 220 operating and then another 40 or 50 in planning how many of those are in the austin area any idea oh i want to say 40 to 50 wow. and oh, that's wow. breweries yeah. and brew pubs together i think it's it, it, more like 50 wow yeah. yeah kind of an interesting stat i mean that that's and like I said, when we started six six years ago, I think there were 37 breweries in Texas. So those are all, they've all opened up very, you know, within a relatively short amount of time. Hmm. <clears throat> but we're still, we're, uh, we're 46th in breweries per capita. We're way behind almost everywhere else. Um, and we've actually dropped. We were 44th and we've dropped two, you know, two spots over the last couple of years. We're not keeping up with everybody else. That doesn't make sense. Why, why has it dropped? Um, well, I guess, you know, I mean, Texas is, I guess population growth, Texas is growing fast. So that's part of it, but the breweries are not opening up at the same rate, um, as population growth and just as, as quickly as they're opening up in other States. And I would, I would, uh, personally blame, blame, uh, some of our restrictive regulation on small breweries for that fact. Well, there's no doubt we've got some antiquated laws in the state of Texas and, and Chip, you and I got to know each other however many years ago when, uh, we started the Texas Brewers Institute, which was an association of, of brewers, large and small. Right. Uh, Miller Coors was a member. Anheuser-Busch was a member. Uh, you were a member, Real L, St. Arnold's. Uh, we, we had a lot of folks from, from big to very small. And the whole objective of the Texas Brewers Institute, as is the goal of the Brewers Guild today, which you are both a part of, was to improve the the regulatory scheme in Texas so that you could do what you do best, and that's make beer. So in 2013, after sessions and sessions of trying, right, uh, a package of bills actually got passed. Uh, tell us what those bills accomplished and how that's affected your business. Uh, one of the one of the best things to happen was that we got the ability to have a tap room and sell beer for uh, uh, on-premises consumption. Yeah. But then here we are in the middle of a legislative session, the 85th legislature of the state of Texas, and we've got about three weeks to go in the session, and I know there's been a bill floating through the process that would allow you to sell beer 
for off-premise consumption. Where is that in the process? Um, that's been, I guess it's pending in committee right now. It was, it was read in the uh, Senate Business and Commerce Committee, um, and it's just, it's pending. That was mm. a Senate bill heard in Senate Business and Commerce? <clears throat> yes. So that was With Don, three weeks to go? Yeah. yeah. So Senator Don Buckingham filed that bill. Correct. Uh, great senator out of uh, West Travis County. Uh, but with three weeks left to go, what are the chances of that bill passing? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Always the optimist, Jim yes, McElroy. Absolutely. Sir. Always the optimist. You know, uh, yeah, not not great. I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance to have a hearing because it's just a, the more we can talk about it in public, sure. the more you know, we can expose how ridiculous there's, there's no reason, no justifiable reason against it. So the more we can talk about it, at least I think it, it helps out in the long term, even though it, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on it this session for sure. Even, even the retailers are not against it. Presumably that's whose business we would be cutting into. But, but I've been told by the major retailers that, uh, they look at it as not only is it a marketing opportunity for the brewery, right. but it's going to lead to greater sales at say H-E-B or, you know, whatever grocery store. But sure. you know, nobody is gonna drive across yeah. town. You don't to go live back a, to buy it again. Yeah. Right. You just buy it there the first time. Yeah. yeah. You go to H E B and buy some. So, so that's what I've heard. I'm head out to the airport, find <laughs> the fast part. I need a six pack. That's what I've never understood about the objections uh, that come from the beer distributors uh, originally to you selling beer in a tap room. Uh, and now there are objections to you selling a six-pack for somebody to take home with them because that is the best kind of marketing, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, people touring breweries is like people touring wineries. And they come there, they taste all your beer, they realize what they like. Like like Charlie said, they're not coming back to the brewery yeah. to buy more beer. Right. right. They're cool. going to the convenience store, to the grocery store. And guess how that beer got in the convenience store and the grocery store? And, and, and then now we have a bill, House Bill 3287 by Representative Goldman, and then Senate Bill 2083 by Senator Seliger, that would limit the ability to have tap rooms and breweries across the state of Texas. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And they're doing it all for our benefit. And that's why, you know, they're, they say that they're, uh, they're just protecting small breweries. And they say that they're just, when they don't let us have off-premises sale, they say, well, we're just protecting retailers. And it turns out the retailers don't want their protection. <laughs> and it turns out that we don't want their protection. And when you say they, you mean the beer distributors. So the beer distributors uh, drafted this piece of legislation that Representative Goldman filed and Senator Seliger filed. And they're the ones pushing it through the process, correct? That's correct. Okay. So where is this bill? Same thing. It's, uh, it's passed through the House by a pretty large margin, um, and it is left pending in the Senate, uh, had a committee hearing, and it's pending at the moment. Okay, so let's, you know, I, I tried reading this bill before we, we came in here so that I could understand what's going on, but it looks to me like the beer distributors don't like the fact that in 2013, uh, you, as a brewery, uh, as breweries, were given the right to have a tap room and sell beer. So this is basically their effort to claw back that 2013 statute and and take away that right to some degree. Uh, it's complicated, I, but yes. They, they're, I mean, they, they're claiming that they never envisioned large breweries buying small breweries and that the laws in 2013 were passed to promote small, small brewery growth in Texas um, and that... 
the large breweries such as Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors are buying small breweries as a loophole to get around, you know, so they can operate their own tap rooms pretty much. Wow. I never envisioned my hair falling out or my chin getting fat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Anheuser, they were, they were already buying up small breweries at the time. And we, I actually, you know, I was not explicitly, I was not in those rooms at the time, but having conversations with the guild, which I was involved in, we brought up that point that as the law is written, there's nothing preventing Anheuser-Busch from opening up a hundred small, you know, small breweries um, in every city and operating them. And that was a concern that was brought up, but not and, addressed at the time. And they're not doing that. No. So they've it, had that ability for four years and they haven't been building. No. They haven't been building well, small breweries everywhere. And my response to that would be, who cares? Right. I mean, if, if Live Oak Brewing Company can have a tap room, if Austin Beer Works can have a tap room, if Real L can have a tap room, why shouldn't Anheuser-Busch have a tap room? Why shouldn't Miller Coors have a tap room? I, I, yeah. I don't argue with you at all. I think so, they should. So I think our, it would be great. So our legislature just hates big business? Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it's the legislature. I think it's the beer distributors. And okay. I, think they're, I think it's ironic that their biggest foes are their biggest suppliers. They should be working better together. And it's, it, it's a very ironic situation. So what but I want to say one thing about, about everybody's focused on, on – large breweries buying smaller breweries right but this this bill also is bad for the small brewery who wants to grow big okay and that's what i would like to do i'm not interested in selling off the brewery although i've always said the first billion takes <laughs> everything's for sale everything's for sale that's right but 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 we would like to grow and 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 uh michael and i were talking if if we wanted to to uh, combine some some resources, uh, uh, we can't do that. If we were to do that, we would lose our self distribution rights because the limit to self distribution is is only one hundred twenty five thousand barrels, and you can only do forty thousand of it. So wow. I, I, in self distribution, I'm sure our audience is it's sitting like we'd there. We'd be out of business now. We're both <laughs> right, at, right. we're both at you know over twenty. Right. So I'm pretty sure our audience is sitting out there uh, with their eyes rolling into the back of their head with sheer confusion. Uh, but this bill, House Bill 3287, that's working its way through the process, it's now in the Senate, waiting for a vote in the Senate Business and Commerce Committee, would limit the ability to sell beer in a tap room if, if the combined assets, if you started growing and you wanted to open a live oak brewing company in Dallas, if you ultimately got to the level where you were you were brewing more than 225,000 barrels of beer in a year right what would happen well they've they've put in the the bill this language of what's referred to as a dock bump a dock bump well at that at that point if you're if you're above 225,000 barrels you lose your tap room period yeah that, well, that's the limit that. of who can have a yeah. tap room okay and just for a sense yeah. of scale like last year there were, uh, I think, a little over 21 million barrels of beer consumed or sold in Texas. So they're saying if you have slightly more than 1% market share in Texas, you can't have a tap room. Hmm. So it's not, yeah. So, but, and, the, and the other thing that this bill does is here's, here's Oscar Blues, uh, who's doing well all around the country. But, but down here in Texas, they have just the one brewery, and it's just getting going. And, and uh, they built a brewery down here, I, I presume, because they did it right after 13. 
they built a brewery down here because we changed our laws and they could have a tap room and they sure. like to have music and right. they like to do all that stuff. And so they built a brewery down here and now we're about to make a law that says uh, with their uh, adding up to their 225 or more that, that they have up in what, two other breweries around the U.S.? Yep. That this would, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to shut down their tap room but they incur other limits on their ability to do business. And one of the worst ones is a 5,000-barrel limit. So what we agreed to uh, in 2013 is if you have a tap room, that you're limited to 5,000 barrels. Well, that's a nice limit. That's a nice amount to be able to sell out of one place. On one site. There's, I don't know of anybody who's, you know, people have gotten up to 4,000, I think, in the largest... Uh, and that was a brew pub, largest brew pub in the country. Might have mm-hmm. been out in, out in uh, Vegas or something, and 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 they might have sold four thousand. So five thousand was a good number. Okay. And this law changes it to five thousand in aggregate of all of your places. So World, worldwide. Wor- yeah. Oh yeah, worldwide. Actually, yeah. Which is strange to regulate. Yeah, and I'm not state. even sure how the state of Texas would enforce that. Would enforce? How do they know how much is sold in a Colorado brewery? Uh, that's a good point. But, but yeah, that mm. and to be so good to go back to that 225,000 barrel limit. That that was the limit that was established in 2013. So that's not new. But what is new is that they're tying all. I think the language says um, if you're owned directly or indirectly um, by any subsidiary affiliate you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that your production is tied together with all of those facilities. So if, if a brewery in California invests 1% in our company, our, suddenly our total production is tied together. And if that total production is above 225,000, um, it triggers this clause in there. We can still operate a tap room as long as our specific brewery is not over 225,000. But so if the combined production is over 225, uh, then we can still have a tap room but every beer sold through the tap room has to go through a distributor first. So, <laughs> hold right. on a second. Yeah. See, again, Charlie, this goes back to that what I said in a previous episode where we need that record stop screech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, if you trigger the certain level of sales combined now, because it used to be under current law, it's for one site. Now it's combined. So, if you have a bunch of breweries or another investor, all those get combined, you exceed that limit. Now you have to buy the beer that you sell in your tap room from a distributor, mm-hmm. even though that beer is right down the hallway. It doesn't, yeah, it would never theoretically leave the premises. So you would make it, put it in a keg, sell it to the distributor with an invoice, and they would sell it back to you for a, usually a 30% markup, and then you could sell it to the consumer. So you're just handing it. never has to leave the brewery. And the way the law is written, you would pay them in cash, You'd have to pay them. You have to pay them immediately, and yeah, then they, and then and then they could take. Uh, well, they establish credit terms, so they could take thirty days to pay you back for it. Cash. The brewer. Yeah. Pay, the brewer. The brewer pays the distributor cash. The cash yeah. can pay, pay the brewer uh, whenever they want. And that, and whatever that, terms. That's are established. the funny thing. You know, we would be selling it to them before they sell it back to us. But we have to pay them immediately, and they can have 30 days to pay us or whatever our terms are. That's a leverage. I mean, that that's, doesn't seem very fair. 
seems like they could be abused to, in a way to perhaps uh, benefit uh, the distributor and, and, and not so much benefit <laughs> the brewer. Right. Huh. I mean, that's well, just, well, I mean, it seems like get in line. There, there's so many things that seem to be screwed up with the regulation of, of breweries and what we call craft brew. I mean, where do you even begin? What's number one? Well, and, and it's all done ostensibly to protect small brewers. Because, <laughs> and, and Chip, you're too stupid to take care of your own business. I know. Well, well, I, I hate to break that to you. And the, and the consumer is too stupid <laughs> to know who, you know, what beer to drink and for what reason. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Well, unbelievable. Well, but and there, the, the proof that that's not exactly the reason why the distributors wanted this bill is because the way out of this for us is to just sell them beer that we're going to serve and is to give them the dock bump. The taproom tax. The taproom tax. Okay. And so that, That's your that day, makes it giving them a that piece. makes it all okay. So House Bill 3287 as we mentioned was voted out of the house I believe on finally it passed second reading Friday this past week third reading Saturday and this bill limits a Texas brewery's right to operate a tap room. It, at some juncture, imposes a tap room tax on the brewery and ultimately the consumer, right? And so this is an anti-competitive bill. It's not a pro-business bill. It's not a pro-free market bill. But what shocks me about this, and tell me where I'm going wrong on this, is this bill passed... This is a Republican House of Representatives. Maybe that doesn't mean anything anymore, but this bill passed with 111 ayes and 33 nays. So to me, that means there are only 33 members in the Texas House of Representatives willing to vote in a pro-business free market manner. Am I missing something? I don't think you are. I mean, I think it's intentionally, the bill is intentionally confusing. And if you're just, I, I can't imagine every legislator reads every bill closely. And it, even us talking about it takes maybe 40 minutes to understand what the intent is. If you're just talking about bullet points and you're saying this bill is designed to protect small brewers from uh, from large brewers, that sounds that sounds fine. That sounds like you're protecting Texas business, but that's not what the language does. And, you know, I actually pointed out that it's a Republican legislature because and the, because I assume, based on the way they campaign, they all campaign that they're pro-business, pro-free market, pro-competition, yet they, they vote the other way around. And, and I didn't mean that to offend any of my Democratic friends because I'm looking at the list of people who voted against this bill, which was which was the right vote. And it would be too long. It would take too long for me to read the list of people who voted for this bill. But I'm going to read the list of people who voted against it. And by voting against it, they voted for the free markets. They voted for Texas breweries. Let's make that clear. Kyle Biederman, Briscoe Kane, Nicole Collier, Scott Cosper, Pat Fallon, Jessica Farrar, Gina Hinojosa, Donna Howard, Jason Isaac, Celia Israel, Mark Keogh, Stephanie Click, Matt Krause, Mike Lang, Will Metcalf, Jeannie Morrison, Pancho Navarez, Dennis Paul, Larry Phillips, Matt Rinaldi, Eddie Rodriguez, Ramon Romero, Scott Sanford, 
Matt Schaefer, Mike Schofield, Matt Shaheen, J.D. Sheffield, Jonathan Sticklin, Lynn Stuckey, Valerie Swanson, Tony Tenderholt, Terry Wilson, and Bill Zedler. Beers, those, on, beers on us if you ever come to our tap room. Those yeah. are the people who <laughs> voted for free markets in competition in the state of Texas and voted to support craft breweries. And breweries, brewery, not, just, not just craft breweries, but breweries as a whole. Yeah, I I agree with you when, when you say, who cares if Anheuser-Busch or Miller Coors has a tap room? Everybody should be allowed to have a tap room. Why this not? is Texas. Yeah. Why not? And, you know, put the 5,000-barrel limit on it, just like we have. Yeah. Uh, no one's afraid. Yeah, it seems like, once again, who are they protecting? Those are the people those, they, they claim to be protecting. They would be competing yeah. against us, and we don't care. Hmm. So just to point out again, I mean, to I take know. it just slightly outside the, the conversation about beer and to go back to the point we were making earlier about how archaic the alcoholic beverage code is, we have laws on the books in the state of Texas that say if you're a liquor store, you can only own five liquor stores. You've been to a Specs? You've been to a Twin Liquors? I think there are over 150 Specs in the state of Texas. Now, how is that possible? Oh, right, gotta have a big family, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of adopted right. kids, yeah, right? Yeah. How why do why, how do we have unadopted children if that's the case? Because the way the law works is, each family member can have five stores, then you consolidate them, then you have your cousin go out and get five stores, and you consolidate them. So it's a loophole, right? Yet, and and it it shouldn't be a law that's there at all. Correct. Why not? I mean, and, why and can't re- specs have as many as sure. they need to have? Absolutely. Well, that, sure. There's another. I mean, it's a in court right now, but there's another explicit for uh, prohibition of any publicly traded company from owning a package store in Texas. So what do you think the rationale is for that? I don't know. You know, it's strange. And I actually going back. We to also com- need I, a crickets. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, it, it, yeah I might a, sit on the sidelines on that one. Right. Because it's something that's, that's out of my yeah, I mean it's in there, and the, and the strange thing I you know went back and looked at the code, and the the definition of a public of a publicly traded company is either it's on a public stock exchange or it's a company that has more than thirty five investors, which is really strange. Thirty five, wow. Yeah, so it's not a it's not a huge number. Hmm. I think no. there's a lot of breweries with more than thirty five investors. Well, again, I think the reason that law was adopted because the existing liquor store mafia in the state of Texas got worried that Walmart and Walgreens and these publicly traded companies were going to start selling liquor on the liquor shelves, and they didn't want the competition, so they got this law passed. Yet another anti-competitive, uh, anti-business, anti-free market law in the state of Texas. So the the Alcoholic Beverage Code, in my opinion, and, and this goes back to my earlier disclaimer at the beginning of the show, this is Trey Blocker's opinion. Nobody else's opinion, not my clients' opinions, not my employees' opinions, not Chip's, not Michael's, nobody's. The whole code needs to be scrapped. The whole code needs to be scrapped, and we just need to start over. And rather than having a a code that was drafted in 1935 and today has been twisted around to benefit the few and and harm the many, we should just start over. Start over with new law. You're not going to hear me uh, argue with that. Sunset, sunset's coming up. So yes, and I think we brought up the sunset process on this show before. That is a process by which. The Sunset Commission of the state of Texas, about every 10, 12 years, reviews every agency, makes recommendations on how to improve it, how to make it better, how to make the law better. So the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission is about to go through that sunset process again. 
interestingly, for some reason, the last time they went through it was in 2005. Um, and the, the commission staff, the Sunset Commission staff, made some great recommendations, uh, and none of them were adopted. Um, you know, and interestingly, at that time, Howard Wolf, who's an Austin lawyer and was one of the public members who sat on the Alcoholic Beverage Commission, um, made a comment in an article that, that I have in front of me. He said, the current regulatory scheme is not set up to protect the public. It's set up to protect monopolies. Howard Wolf was a public member of the Alcoholic Beverage Commission. He actually, back in 2005, wanted to ask some witnesses some questions and make this point, and the chairman of the commission wouldn't let him, told him it was out of bounds for him to ask those questions. So he then wanted to get off the dais and go around and get at the, at the microphone where the public came to speak and, and make these comments uh, to the whole commission, and he was not allowed to do that either. Uh, so ultimately what the, what the Sunset Commission told him to do was write us a letter, Howard. Write us a letter and tell us what you think uh, is, is wrong with this. And if you Google, and actually we will put a link to this on our website uh, because I think it's a paper worth reading, but if you Google Howard Wolf, TABC Sunset, you will find this position paper that Howard Wolf wrote. And he points out, and, and, and there are a lot of good quotes in here, uh, and, and he, he points out all of the problems with the, with the system as a whole. Um, but he, at the very start, he says, at the time of the repeal of prohibition, the major issues facing the regulation of alcoholic beverages related to assuring that products sold to consumers were untainted and produced a, in licensed facilities. That's a good thing, right? Uh, assuring that wholesale and retail distribution of products was not controlled by organized crime. I, I can make a comment, but I'm going to keep yeah. going. Uh, um, that, that's where the crickets go. Yeah. That, that's right. Uh, and, and they were also concerned about widespread public intemperance um, and, and vertical integration as well. So Howard Wolf says, you know, these issues were addressed in the statute as originally adopted by the creation of a three-tier system designed to license and separately control the production, distribution, and retail sale of alcoholic beverages. But he goes on to say that the system's been thwarted to benefit the few, and he talks about how the whole system at this point is, is corrupt. And in this position paper, he says, the essential definition of corruption in a representative democracy is the usurpation of public authority to the advancement of private interest. The system currently used to regulate alcoholic beverages in Texas now promotes and protects private rather than public welfare. He goes on to say, a statute that was designed to promote public health, safety, and welfare has over time been subverted by the economic interest of the entities it was intended to regulate. Now the legalized system operates primarily to prevent competition, protect anti-competitive conduct, and otherwise thwart the functioning of a free market in the manufacture, distribution, and sell of alcoholic beverages. So as you can tell, this he is He nailed it. He nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Um, and he goes on for 10 more pages, and we'll make this available on the website for people to read, but it absolutely floors me that in a state that prides itself on being pro-business, on being for free markets and competition, would allow, after all these years, for a 
system like this to stay in place. And I don't care if it's this system or if it's a system that regulates car dealerships. They're statutes set up to protect monopolies. And it's sad that they're still on the books. Yep. Absolutely sad. And now we have this bill, as we've been discussing, this House Bill 3287, which is going to further inhibit the growth of breweries in the state of Texas. It's going to increase costs for consumers. And yet this is going through the process. It's a bad bill. It's bad for breweries in the state of Texas. It's bad for competition, free markets, and it's not pro-business. Well, you, you don't have to look very far uh, for evidence that our laws are uh, counterproductive to uh, the, the brewing industry because we're 46th, is that right, mm-hmm. in a uh, number of, of uh, breweries per capita, and yet we're pretty high on the beers consumed per capita yeah and, uh, we I mean, texans like our we like beer and why are we so far behind in the whole beer deal we are well, pro beer yeah. right charlie we are absolutely pro beer and now we should probably be pro beer deregulation yeah well look at, you know i've never done this before and I, I don't know that i've charlie have i ever gotten this worked up on a show before i'm not sure your lather is up <laughs> i am lathered up uh and not in a good way and i've never done this before but what i'm going to do i i am appalled absolutely appalled that this bill passed with 111 votes out of the house it's already been heard in the senate it's waiting for a vote in the senate business and commerce committee and then it heads to the floor and then potentially to the governor for the governor to sign or veto and so I am going to put a petition on my website at treyblocker.com and treyblockershow.com. And I would like for all of our, our audience, everyone listening who likes drinking beer, who likes craft beer, who likes Anheuser-Busch, who likes Miller Coors, who likes beer, period, and is in favor of the free markets in the state of Texas and is pro-business to go online and sign a petition that we're going to put together uh, to present to the governor urging him, if this bill gets to his desk, to veto this bad piece of legislation and to, and, and to protect breweries in the state of Texas. Fantastic. Yeah, I hope it doesn't make, their, make it there, but uh, this would be great if, just in case. All I'll right. sign it. Yeah. How many did we get on our petition in, what was it, 24 <clears throat> hours or 48 yeah. hours? And uh, I think in, in 24 hours, uh, just a little over 24 hours, we got about 8,000 signatures against the bill, the House, the House version. Wow. It's still passed with that margin. But. Wow. That, that, those are good numbers. Yeah. Chip McElroy, owner of Live Oak Brewing Company here in Austin, Texas, and Michael Graham, co-founder of Austin Beer Works. We appreciate you coming into the studio today to talk about these issues, and we hope you'll come back sometime. As I said, we are putting a petition, a petition on the website. Go to treyblocker.com, treyblockershow.com. Sign our petition to the governor asking him to protect breweries in the state of Texas. Well, thank you very much for having us, and lots of thanks to those representatives who did vote against that bill. Absolutely. Like I said, beer's on us. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, gentlemen. Cheers. Until next time. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. You can find more episodes at treyblocker.com or just download episodes from your favorite podcasting app. And thank you to our guests, Michael Graham and Chip McElroy.